I came to Emmanuel, this was one of the missionary couples that we already were on track and supporting and supported them for a very long time. Pastor Kevin, uh, our fan, founding pastor who's now with the Lord, uh, and, and Brother Mike Hinkle who pastored the church before I did, they, they had a long-term relationship with his family. And uh, they were one of the few. When I first came to the church, I sent all the missionaries a list, uh, an, an email and a letter and a phone call. And I said, hey, we want to support you, but tell me what you're doing. I don't know you. Tell me what you're doing. And they were one of the few that actually replied. And the email was very sweet, but it's like, if you want us to keep supporting you, we need to know that you're still doing something effective. Can I have an amen? We only have so much seed to scatter, and we want to make sure our seed is going in good ground. And what are you doing? They were one of the few that replied and actually gave us an update on what was going on. And so we've supported them all this time. Every month when you give finances, some of that goes to these guys. So take a second, introduce yourself and your lovely wife. And uh, I know I had invited you to lunch, but now... Now we're eating at our Prosser campus, and so now you get to go with us. How many think they should come and stay with us and eat? I think it would be great. Tell us who you are, a little bit about you, and, and I want to introduce you to our church body. Well, um, uh, as he said, Kelly Robinette, and uh, this is my wife Cindy. I'll let her introduce herself. Uh, we have had a long relationship with yes, Emmanuel, long, yes. and it's been uh, our honor to be supported financially. And the prayers that go behind that yeah. to help us be in Asia now 30 years. Asia for 30, 30 years. Yeah. How many of you are not even 30 years old in the room? You know, amen. Oh, Tito, I saw your hand. I saw your hand. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 30 years. So I, I grew up on a little farm down in Monroe County between Sweetwater and Madisonville. Anybody know where that's at? Sweetwater? Anybody know where Sweetwater is? <laughs> and that was my whole world. I didn't think I'd ever leave that part of the country and didn't see any reason to, but got saved at 21, and God opened my eyes and sent me to Bible school, and through that, got called to missions, and that's kind of... 21. How many of you have family or children who are older, and they're not walking with the Lord? 21 years old, God got a hold of him. Amen. What an awesome so, story. I read something one time, and it just stuck in my brain, which not many things stick, <laughs> but he said, there are no unreached children it was in relation to children and i thought yes there are there's many there's millions of unreached children he said no there's no unreached children all of them have been reached by somebody already and it's for us the kingdom of god the children of god the christians to go and reach them for god yeah and take oh, back oh yeah i take see back what the, they've been reached but not for god they have okay they have been reached wow. and so that's what happened to me at 21 i got um just fantastically saved. I, don't, I can't still, to this day, put it in words how drastic my life went from running drugs to now sharing the, the gospel wow. with people. Come on. Can uh, we give God thanks yeah. this morning? So, so you were on the world scene and drugs and going down that I avenue. Was, and and wow. uh, Knoxville was one of my centers where I bought bulk drugs so I could sell. Maybe we won't put this on the internet today. We don't. We don't I think the statute of limitations is read out. But wow, thirty years ago, I was a very different person, and, and God has been so good to us and to me. And, uh, Man, that's God, awesome. My heart goes out to two different things you've done to me this morning. <laughs> these girls, these ladies from yes. the challenge. Can you raise your hand? I'm so proud. Yes. Of you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I run a Teen Challenge Center in Cambodia. We have a women's wow. center. Wow, okay. A men's center. And uh, I just, 
everything within me yeah. was to reach out to you and say, you're doing the right thing. Yes. You're yes. doing the right thing. Yeah. Amen. Stick it out. Stick it out. Kick the devil in the head. Yes. Put him under your heel and say, that's where you belong. I'm yes. not who you told me I was. Come on. Amen. Amen. I'm not who you wanted me to be. Yeah. I'm going to be everything that God created me to be. Yes. Everything that God wants me to be. Amen. You're beautiful. Yes. You're beautiful to his side. Amen. So anyway, let's get that. No, that's good. So he runs, they run a Teen Challenge in Cambodia, and we got some awesome folks here from Teen Challenge. I'm chairman of the board, and we as a board are very active in our uh, management with the center directors and so forth. I don't, I'm not there every day, so I'm not there in the day-to-day. But it's it's a wonderful thing to see somebody turn around, because my life was turned around, so I just want to keep pouring back. Amen. And... uh, when we got married, and she can tell you part of this, but we were not able to have our own kids, and that's a medical reason for that. But God opened the door for adoption. We adopted. I'm going to let her tell that part of the story. Uh, we adopted one child, a, a little boy, through Highlands, the Assemblies of God um, home for unwed mothers. And he was about three months old when we got him, took him to Cambodia that next year. And then we adopted a little girl from Cambodia. Now they're 24 and 26 and living in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Wow. Yes. Isn't that so special? Amen. Before we let Cindy share about her history, why don't you look at your neighbor and say, there's still hope for you. Tell them. Yes. <laughs> there's hope for him. There's hope for you. <laughs> Cindy, tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up. Uh, and... I grew up in the north. I'm okay. a Yankee from Minnesota. We won't hold that against you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but I do consider Tennessee home now. And I grew up in a pastor's home. I was born across the street from North Central Bible College in Minneapolis. And so that's all I knew growing up was the pastor's kid. And I would pray, dear Lord, do not let me marry a pastor. (laughs) Or (laughs) missionary. missionary. You didn't say missionary. (laughs) Yes. And so I remember accepting the Lord as a young child, four or five years old. And uh, God led me to North Central, went through their nursing program. And that's where Kelly and I met. Um, actually met in the nursing home. We were working together at the nursing home. So you met redeemed Kelly, and yes. that was oh, amen. Yes, I would never have probably, uh, even been his friend <laughs> before that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now tell me what a beautiful story of how God God uses us to to really f- flow in His will. Tell me about now how you met at Bible College and how this stir of missions began to develop in your heart. Was this something as a child, or was this something that? God spoke to you and then the her. Tell us the story about how missions came into your life. I'm going to let her go first. Okay, we sure. Have different paths. That okay. We For met. me, it was um, as I was ending high school, I was thinking, God, what's, what's the next step for me? And it was through a, a Sunday night service that I felt called to missions and to use nursing in missions. And I didn't know where, I didn't know when, um, but I was just going to be faithful to God to, to send me on the way. Did you have um, did you have a heart for uh, nursing and missions and medical? I mean, that was something that you kind of always were drawn to, or was that something that Not developed really later until on? High school. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we'd had missionaries in our home and at church all the time, and I I never really felt that way until high school. Wow! And then God took something she liked, nursing and being around people, and began to use that with His calling. We like to take ministry and put it over here and what we like to do in nursing and or numbers being an accountant or a cook or a housewife or a 
a cleaner we like to take or administrator. We take that over here and then what God's called me to do over here. But most of the time they match. Most of the time they, they mesh. And that's what happened with you. So what about you? Tell us how missions kind of came in your heart. So we got saved at 21. And then six months after I got saved, I went to Bible school. Okay. Unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> They're not supposed to let you in until you've been a Christian for a while. Well. But <laughs> I did. And, and during that first year of Bible school, I really was getting grounded in the word. Yeah. And, and I, we kept hearing all these missionaries. And one day I just said to the Lord, God, if the needs are that great. And somebody was there talking about how one third of the world is Christian. They may not be good Christians, but at least they claim to be Christian. Another third of the world has access to Christianity, but they've not yet made a move on it. They have, they live in a, you know, in Knoxville. You can hear the Christian message on the radio. There's several stations um, and churches on every corner. So they're within proximity. But there's another whole one third of the world that they've never heard the name of Jesus. They don't live within proximity of a church or another Christian. And I said, that's not right. I lived 21 years and I shunned church. My mom took me to the little Methodist church down in Sweetwater up until I was probably 14, 15. I kind of graduated from church. I just said it wasn't for me. didn't want to go anymore. And just kind of, you know, and I, so I've heard the gospel my whole life, and I turned my back on it. And here's people, you know, a couple of billion people in the world that have never heard his name one time. And I just said, Lord, is there anything I, I can do? Here am I. And when I said those words... Just something just exploded in my heart, and God said, that's all I wanted. Wow. Just somebody to be uh, willing to be obedient and walk through the path that I'll take you. And, and I really had no idea what missions really was or what it was for me because all I knew was raising cattle and hay and tractors and pigs and all that stuff. But God said, I want to use you. So I said, well, if you can use me for anything, Lord, here I am. Wow. Isn't that a great That's attitude to have? That's how it started. And now, were you all married, met then? Had you all met no, at that point? No, this was uh, uh, three years maybe before we met. So when you got together, she kind of had this draw towards missions, and you had this draw towards missions, yeah. and God was confirming that. And exactly. Now, it, it's uh, probably about the same time. Okay. And I was in Bible school in Dallas, Texas. She was up in Rockford, Illinois in high school. And I was in college already, but we kind of figured it out. It was about the same time wow. God was touching our hearts for mission. Isn't that awesome? I love it. I love it. together much later. Now, he's in Cambodia right now currently. He's going to tell us where that is, and we're going to get into what they do. And, and have you always been in Cambodia? Have you moved around some? I mean, it, I know you've been there a very long time. but have, if So after Bible college, we met in Bible college. I got married, and then we moved back to Nashville, back to Tennessee, and I pastored for couple years we'd had our application in for missions we got approved to go and the question was where do you want to go because our missions department in the assemblies of god they don't tell you where to go you tell them where you want to go <laughs> where do you want to go and if it's a possibility they say okay we're behind you and we felt a leaning towards southeast asia didn't know where but they gave us a couple uh, possibilities and we chose thailand just through prayer we went to thailand and for two years, we were there and learned the language and was helping with uh, church planting and outreach to children, feeding program, a, a clinic that she worked in. And then God opened the door to Cambodia that had been in war for like 30 years. And then back in 1990, 
the war ended and they started kind of opening up and our director had gone over there, made a preliminary visit and the, and the doors were kind of open to us. You're like, who's going to go? And again, that calling, God, mm -hmm. you know, who's going to go? And I said, I'll go. And so we felt the Lord leading us. And so we moved to Cambodia, a new culture, a new language, a new land. How far new, is that from Thailand? What? It's the next country over. Right. So okay. They border each other. So Thailand and Vietnam, everybody, most people know kind of where Vietnam is, just south of China. So in Cambodia is between them. It's sandwiched there between Thailand and and what is Cambodia known for now? I know they were at war for 30 years, but what what is there something that's kind of put them on the map, or is it is it more of a... Give us a little bit about the culture that you work so in. The, the, the war that took place in Cambodia is called... Uh, uh, gave them the name of having the killing fields. Mm. Paul Pot and the Khmer Rouge Army took over back in 1975 and murdered, systematically tortured and murdered one-third of the population. And it was massive. It was just un unheard of. So the mass grave sites all over Cambodia. Still there? Yeah, the, the graves are still there. Over 19,000 mass graves. And some of them had three and 400 people in each grave. So how many? How many? 19,000? 19,000. Mass graves. Mass graves. And some of those have hundreds of people in one hole. And what they would do, they'd march them out to the fields, make them dig their own grave, and then just kill them on the spot and just knock them in. They don't. They think some were not even dead when they covered them with dirt. It's just unheard of. So now you're dealing with that in people's post, lives and past. I post mean, right. that, people are just traumatized. You know, everybody knows somebody. It may have been their mom, dad, cousin, whatever. But they affected the whole somebody. country. Yes. So you go in now and you're working in Cambodia and. He has a video at some point he's going to share with us. But tell us more about the country and now what you do and, and what the Lord is using you in the country to, to how to bring healing to that hurt. So following the Khmer Rouge regime that killed so many, the Vietnamese invaded, took over, and was fighting these Khmer Rouge soldiers for 10 years and set up a communist government. And under communism, nobody owns anything. Everything belongs to the government. And so... It was after that then that we went in. So there they've had this war where everybody was killed. Then they had the Vietnamese who occupied for 10 years and under communism. And so now they've got this new freedom, but they're all hurting inside and everything's destroyed. So we've been part of that developing stage where they're getting electricity, they're getting roads, they're getting phones. It's kind of crazy because Hardly anybody has a landline, a, a phone that's connected to the wall. Most people, if they have a phone, it's a cell phone. But they're still driving around in ox carts. So you'll see an ox cart with some old farmer on there with just a wraparound you know, thing, no shirt, no shoes, and he's got a smartphone. <laughs> and down no texting phone. on the ox cart now. No. Right. <laughs> but So we've been part of that, and, and one, of the, one of the things that happened because of the war, because... Doctors were killed off, the hospitals were destroyed, those kind of medical things. There were a lot of orphans in Cambodia, probably 100,000 orphans when we got there. So one of the things that we d had done was start an orphanage, and we ran the orphanage for many years, and, and other missionaries doing that now. But that's part of 
what we did in the early. If you're going to go to a country with 100,000 orphans, I think an orphanage is a good, a good place to start to really minister to the people and the government. How is the government in Cambodia? What, what, how do they work with you? Are you there as a missionary or are you there as a business person? No. Um, they don't recognize us as missionaries. They recognize us as relief and development workers. Humanitarian, Humanitarian. aid. Humanitarian. So they love us because we help the kids. And we've also built some uh, government elementary schools, and then we support kids that go to school. So one of the things that <clears throat> we'll talk about on the, fi on the video you'll see is um, we sponsor kids to go to school. Okay. And by doing that, we have access to them, their family, their village, and the whole community. And we've been planting churches in all those areas where we've had access. And so the government, they really don't know what to do with us because <laughs> we're helping people and that's what they need, but we're also planting churches, wow. which goes against their Buddhist beliefs. They're 90, 90 or 95% Buddhist and another 5% Muslim, and there's less than 1% Christian in the country. Say that again? Less than 1% wow. Christian in the country. So, you know, 99% are not Christian, and we're going against that by starting churches and you know, seeing people get saved and going out and back. Is there resistance? I mean, as a government, are you seeing any kind of resistance in planning these churches or because you're doing so much compassion work, they kind of just overlook what you're doing with the church planning? It kind of goes hand in hand. And, you know, if you follow the life of Jesus, he did not just preach the message with words. He always helped people. Yeah, yeah. And usually it was through his power. But he empowers us in many ways to help people. Which takes money, yes. which is why you're here today. They're traveling the states for this year, raising finances so they can go back. Is it a four-year term? You come back for a year, raise funds, and then go back we, for a four-year term? For the last 30 years, we've done four-year terms and come home for one, and then gone back for four years. But now we've started doing two and six months. Okay. So that's what I'm on now is a six months. Okay. For it all. Well, do you want to set that video up? Is this sure. a good Let's time? Do, that's a great time. Okay. Let's go ahead and, and watch this video, make sure we've got audio. Let me work on this for just a second. Tell us about some of the projects that you guys are working on right now. So back in, in 2004, after helping a lot of kids go to public school, we started our own Christian school. And that's one of the things you're going to see on the video. And we felt like we were helping many, many kids, probably... Almost 4,000 kids go to public school, but we were only helping them an inch deep and a mile wide. I mean, it's what we felt like. So the Lord spoke to our hearts, and in 2004, we started a Christian school, and God provided. I wish I could sit here all afternoon and tell you the miracles, financial miracles that have happened for us to be able to buy land and build buildings, which you'll see some of them in the video. Um, for these, for our Christian school, we, the Assemblies of God, own and operate this school. We've got 350 kids in the school, and it's an inch wide but a mile deep. I mean, 350 kids in, in the face of how I many million kids in Cambodia, but what we're helping them with, these kids are graduating 12th grade as evangelists and on fire for Jesus and rooted and grounded in the Word of God because they get worship and they get the Word of God from kindergarten all the way through I mean, if a teacher starts teaching a class without praying first, I'm on them. I mean, you need to ask for God's wisdom and blessing before you start teaching, before you open your mouth. That's what a Christian school should be. 
And so they have devotions in the morning, and then they have a Bible class during the day, but also every class, math, science, English, mere language, whatever it is, they incorporate that's biblical right. truth. And that's what's changing these kids' lives. Amen. We do have the video now. Apologize about that. All right. Fire this video here. Come on, can we give God thanks for what He's doing through our world, missionaries? Man, that's just incredible. God used a drug addict from Sweetwater and his wife, who's a nurse, to do that. Isn't that awesome? God can do great things if we lend our heart to Him. Is my wife in here? Is Tara in here? Is she in here? Hey, are you back there? 
Tell us how to sponsor children, because I want to I want to do that on a personal level. Um, can you tell us? Is that one of your greatest needs that we have? Uh, we have some cards with a picture. One okay. Of the pictures you'll see on the you've seen on the. You picture. have enough for everybody? Can we pass uh, those yes, out now? Yes. Okay. I so want one for sure. The twenty-five thousand. Let me just go back to that. Yes. Tell us the needs. Uh, just to replace all those computers are 10, 11 years old now, and. Uh, I don't know if you, how many of you have a computer that's 11 years old, still using it. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, one. We have one. <laughs> can you imagine 300 kids using it every day? You know, that's what, why we need to replace it. Now, them. tell me, anyway, how much does so it cost uh, for one computer to get it over there? Uh, well, to get it there and, and, and replace all the wiring and, and everything that goes with it, it's $700. For one computer? For one computer. Okay. Yeah. Let that fall on your ears if you can do that if you have the means yeah. to do that now we can't replace all the computers so, but uh, if the 25,000 yeah. let me interrupt you we, yeah. we need 19 now you need 19 uh, okay 6,000 amen well we can we can help with that we will and certainly do that $35 a month the kids that go to our school we spend almost $80 a month per kid they get a lunch with that they get uniform books Everything that goes, but eighty a month. I mean, seriously, uh, for I mean, eighty a month. You can't do that. So basically, you go to school twenty yeah. days a month. That's two dollars a day to go to school. Yeah, and we, I raise thirty-five dollars a month per kid. The parents pay the other thirty-five. So more. they have an investment in the program. They do, absolutely. So we require them to invest in their kids, and then we find enough to help make it happen. And we've got out of three hundred fifty kids. We need about 80 more sponsorships. 80. 80. You can do this on your own. I mean, it, it's fine if you want to do it through the church, no problem. But you can also do this on your own. This can set up auto pay. You can yes. auto pay. You go to that website. Don't think about it. With the HE headquarters there. And does it tell you class 50? That's the yep. sponsorship. Yeah. And it's all set up once you okay. go through. If you go at the, the kellyrobinette.com website, we'll immediately direct you to our ministry website which is full life kids and on that page the front page there's a big red button you can't miss it it says give if you'll click that button it'll direct direct you straight to he's really AG really raising up an army here uh, for the future of cambodia these are these are these will be missionaries to cambodia they may grow up and get an education but they'll come back i see it in nicaragua i see it in belize i've seen it in guatemala the the kids grow up in a christian school and then they go off and get an education and instead of coming to the states to work they go back and sow their life back into their country, and it's amazing. Please share, yes. So we've had uh, three three graduating classes now of 12th graders. We started out back in 2004. We had K, 1, and 2, and then we added a year every year. And so now we've had three graduating classes. And last year, no, two years ago, one of the boys that made the top score in our school and then went to the government testing and made 99 point, what was his score? Anyway, he made he made a B, which is up in the high 90s. Anyway, he was one of the poorest kids of that bunch and was totally unable to go to college. And they had four kids, and the mom works as a cook to try to make ends meet, and dad had been a nurse, but then he couldn't work anymore for some physical reason. So really a struggling family, yet they wanted, they sacrificed, to put their kids in our school. So I came to the students who weren't able to go on to college. I said, do any of you want to go to college, but you don't have the means, I want to try to help you. I have no money. 
to help you. But I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you that God will provide. And so this one boy came to me. He said, "I really want to go on to college." I said, "Great." He said, "I, I want to believe with you. Which college you want to go to?" He said, "I want to go to medical school." I'm like, "Oh, the most expensive <laughs> place." <laughs> Most Can't you agree for automotive repair or something? You know, know there's two-year vocational right. training or there's, you know. Ten-year medical school. Eight years. Eight years. Eight years. So I said, immediately I said, let's pray and believe wow. God together. Within, what was it, like three three days or something like that, I had, a, I had a doctor in Arizona that responded. I kind of put out some fillers there. And he said, I will sponsor this kid to go to medical school. <laughs> Come on, three yes. days. A full, Man, that's awesome. A full scholarship for wow. eight years. Eight years. And so his second year, making A's that's in amazing. medical school. And he said, I want to be a doctor to help people. And I know you're planning churches, which is huge, but the school is also a huge part yes. of your ministry. How many kids would not be in a good school if they weren't in this school? I mean, probably all of them. I mean, I would imagine. Yeah, most. all of them. That's amazing. Uh-huh. Tell us one more story about what God is doing, and then we want to take time and just pray over you and give the congregation a chance for any questions. Tell about another student. Well, I can tell you about one of our students that um, she got an A last year, and when they get an A, they have like a full-ride scholarship to go wherever they want. And through she's the through the government, and she's in Australia today studying. Wow. Because she made A's. Because she made That's incredible. A, That's incredible. A strong Christian girl. Let me tell you about the A in Cambodia. Because the government offers a full-ride scholarship, any school you want to go in-country, okay, if you make an A. But you know how they deal with that. They make, you've got to have 99.5 or 99.6 on the final exam. It's an all-inclusive you don't get any credits for any of your 12 years of study. You take an exit exam, it's a three-day exam, and on that exam, these we had three kids, three A's out of 20 kids that graduated in a country where only 400 A's out of 40,000 kids that took the final exam nationwide, only 400 made A's. And three of those were from our school. It speaks to the quality of yes. what God is doing. Amen. He said an upper 99, and then he said it was a B. I was thinking, he's been a while since he's been in school. 99 is not a B, but you're on the Cambodia grading scale. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, amen. Let's take a few questions here for Kelly and Cindy Robin. Haven't you enjoyed this this morning? Aren't these guys awesome? Okay, a couple of questions. The question is, are you planning churches, or are you, how are you training your pastors for these churches and sending them out? So, two ways, and, and, and it's actually both and. We have a Bible school in Cambodia, and I was a national director for a national Bible school for 10 years, up until two years ago. I passed that on to another missionary. So we do church planning training at our Bible school. It's pretty much the only reason why you go to Bible school in Cambodia, if you're going to be a church planter. But then we've gone out and just done it ourselves, just like the city Batamong, where the school's at. When we moved there in 1999, we didn't know anybody. And we started evangelizing. We started introducing wow. Jesus to people, and people got saved. We started a home Bible study, which turned wow. into cell groups, which turned into a church. And I pastored that church for six years. And then the Lord laid on my heart who I was to appoint 
and uh, assigned as a pastor there, appointed as pastors. Was it a local person? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. turned it over yeah. to a local person. Yeah. It's just amazing. And we're a part of this. We're a part of something so much bigger than ourselves because I can't go to Cambodia and do this, but we can send these guys. Yeah. That's so awesome. Another question over here. Yeah. Yeah, really good question. She's asking, is it a problem for the children to believe in Jesus since most of their parents are Buddhist? Wow. Um, here's the way the Buddhist mindset works. They're okay with you accepting any and every God you can find as long as you don't forsake Buddhism. And, you know, it's a kind of a just-in-case kind of a deal because there is no assurance outside of Jesus. I don't, know, I don't care how much you believe in your religion. There's no way you can have a deep, deep assurance because the only assurance that I know of is in Jesus. So they're like, yeah, go try that out too. But what happens, and so we have people coming to churches to try to check it out, but they're still following Buddhism at home. It's when people start making those serious changes in their lives, taking away the, the amulets where they worship little Buddha idols around their neck, around their waist. They have altars in their home. They burn incense. They give all these. When they stop doing all that stuff, then their parents say, hey, what's going on here? You know, you're taking this too serious. And there are cases, many cases, where the kids have been kicked out of the house and disowned, sometimes beaten. Because they've turned their back now on Buddhism. Is Christianity illegal? No. Okay. Not, now. Just, okay. Not since 1990. Wow. What a great question. Yes. Andrea. Yes. They're locally there. So that's one of our biggest challenges right now is finding Christian teachers. Because how can you teach the Bible? And like I tell all of my staff at the school, there's 30 of them. So we're not just an educational institution we are a discipleship ministry your job your main job is not cutting grass or cooking food or teaching right. math your main job is to disciple help these kids l fall in love with jesus and learn to walk with him and so trying to find good christian teachers it's almost impossible because they're just not there and so Do they come in from other areas? Do you have te missionary some, teachers come some in? Some have no. We have all local teachers. All local. All local staff. So that's a prayer. You really you pastor pray. that staff. That's really your yes. job right now is to, yeah. to pastor and disciple that yeah. staff. So I actually spend more of my time with the principal and the top level. Yeah. And then they then right. spend time with the teachers. And then it's amazing. One more. One more question. Yes. How do you use your nursing in Cambodia? I don't use it in the local hospitals. I'm not working every day. Um, I used it at the orphanage with the kids because we had some special needs kids and our kids getting sick. Um, medical teams that come, go out with them. And my own family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> other missionaries. Kind of like when I call you and say, hey, look at this rash on my arm. <laughs> Amen. All right, one more question. Anybody have a really pressing question? Yes. Yeah. Great question. If you didn't hear the question, she's asking about the orphans that we care for. Do they go to our school? And if so, do we fully support them? And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> so actually the orphanage, we're not doing the orphanage right now. We, it's in another city, and we've passed that on to another missionary couple. And so they, we have a Christian school, two places where, I, where we're at now and down where the orphanage is. So those kids go, and it's 
right beside each other, so they literally walk from the orphanage in and out of the school. How many, students, how many kids are in the orphanage them. now? How many kids do you have in that orphanage? Probably 60. Oh, that's incredible. 60 wow. kids at the orphanage. At one incredible. time it was over 100. It's down It's down now. There are much fewer orphans now right. than there were you know, 20 years sure. ago. Sure. Amen. Yeah, yeah amen. <laughs> All right. Here's